Hey, welcome to the Coach Bono's podcast in the studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live with the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Just look for at Coach Bono's show. Check out our Facebook page. You can search Coach Bono's show. Find us there. And you can email us at coachbonoshow at gmail.com. This is episode 33.5. And as always in the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bonos podcast. It's Hogan Girl. She has great legs, but an even greater mind. My co-host, Ellen Wingard. Ellen, Ellen, how you doing? Hey, hey, I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Hey, I want to hit just a few like small things today. I don't have like a there's nothing like huge earth shattering changing in sports this last 10 days. Yeah. Um, I, I got a couple of things. We've already kind of gone through the list, but I want to hit a couple of things. First and foremost, we're recording this Wednesday night like we always do. And what in the hell just happened? Clayton Kershaw couldn't finish a perfect game. You know, it was wild. I was kind of scrolling through Twitter and saw things popping up and pulled up the MLB channel on my phone because I was getting ready to leave. And the Dodgers are up to bat, top of the eighth. Kershaw's over in the dugout. Perfect game, through yeah. 80 pitches through seven innings. Yeah. And right as I tune in, Dodgers go yard three times in a row. Yeah. And two were almost to the exact same spot. Yeah. I- and then it was just like, ah, well, Kershaw's not coming back. I don't know. I would like I, I would like to know what Kershaw's conversation with Dave Roberts. Yeah. And I'm a Dave Roberts guy. I like Dave Roberts. I think he's been a good mix of the of the money ball, you know, the 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 the, 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 ah, the statistics and all the statistical stuff, mm-hmm. plus a feel for the game itself. Granted, it's in Minnesota, it's cold, it's a day game. It looks the travel game up there. Yeah. The travel day, I, I get that. But we got a guy who's a future Hall of Famer, one of the yep. best pitchers of a generation, never thought a perfect game. We haven't had a perfect game in baseball in a while now. And it's he's what? 80, he's at 80 pitches, and I'm like, can't let him finish the job. At least go to him and say, do you want to do it? And if he says yes, then you say, okay, till you get a base runner, you're in. And you're not even a full week into the season. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things we talked about was, well, what if, you know, you could say at Kershaw's age, he's 37 or 38. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he would say, well, going deep, too deep into a game now could hurt him for the next two or three starts. And I, I can hear that argument, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter this early in the season. <laughs> and you're up 7-1, you get to rest the rest of your bullpen, possibly. It, Let him it go was, nine, see if it works. If he does get a base runner on, bring in, your, bring in somebody, you're done. Yeah, no, and I saw his comments post-game, Kershaw's, that he was like it was the right decision, which. That's good of him to say it. As a he, he's a team guy. He was super excited in the dugout as guys were coming off from hitting bangers. But if I were him, I would kind of have the, fuck you, coach. We're yeah. going to give this a shot. I, I, <laughs> I, I maybe Kershaw, maybe maybe he's you know being the good teammate and saying what he said, but at the same time, I, that's the one thing in that resume he doesn't have. And yeah, you don't get many opportunities in a perfect game. So yeah, and I, I think I'd have been like, hey, coach, let me let me roll these next six outs and let me roll the dice here. 
Absolutely. And had he said, no, I'm good, pull me yeah. out. If it was Kershaw's decision alone. Absolutely. If it's no problem, cool. if it's the pitcher's decision, he says, hey, I, you know what? It is cold. I am tired. I don't want to fuck things up for the next two right. weeks. You know, I'm trying to just win this championship. And that could be what he's all about. You know, he took less money to be where he's at. I understand that. And so it could the, be that, hey, he's there for the ring because they're the, disappointed they didn't get it last year. And the Dodgers sucked ass in Denver this past weekend. I saw them twice mm-hmm. and they did not look good. No, I mean, they didn't. they didn't play well this weekend. One of their primary people was hitting towards the end of the lineup and didn't get his first hit until today. And it just happened to be a home run. So, yeah. I mean, it's, I don't know. I just think it's too early to do the whole rah, rah for the team thing when you're not even 10 days into the season. Yeah. I guess maybe that's maturity though, in his case. I don't know. I just, I wanted to jump in. That's kind of timely news as we were were getting started here. Um, Other timely news today in the NFL, Derek Carr got an extension. We we knew it was coming. We knew he was going to get an extension when they made the trade. Yep. For Devontae Adams, I said, and we talked about it on here, I said it on Tyler Jones' podcast, that they're going to have to extend their, their car now. And I was going to play together. Yeah, and I was at lunch, and I saw it hit ESPN when I was down at the cafeteria, and I texted you, and I was like, yeah. $121 million, that's over three years? That's, yep. that's something. But it's the, going, it's the going rate. I know, but the fact that he has no trade clause – well, he's going to have that because of his time with the team, too, anyway. I think. It's but just... I, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the stuff we talked about. You know, we talked a yeah. weeks ago about how the Deshaun Watson thing yeah. was going to change the rules. Yeah. This is just the first one. I mentioned five names. I said... The dominoes to fall, yeah. The dominoes to fall are going to be Derek Carr and the mm-hmm. four young guys. Now we've seen the veteran. I included Derek Carr in that. People thought I was crazy. I had... Uncle Rico said I was crazy, and my brother said I was crazy. They're like, right. I don't get that. And I was like, dude, he did that under contract, and he wants to play with Devontae. Devontae wants to play with him. This is going to be an extension, and he's going to get the money that everybody else is getting. And sure enough, he is. Yeah. And again, I'm glad for him. I'm yeah. always glad when people are getting their paper, but yeah. I'm not a fan of his. I, I, I'm I not either. I, so Tyler Jones and I have, we call it the Ryan Tannehill rule. I think I've told you this before. Yeah. yeah. Be a serious contender to win a Super Bowl. Your quarterback has to be Ryan Tannehill or better. Now, I, I think it'd be better than Ryan Tannehill now. I think that's the, that's the Rebar Mendoza line. I don't know that Derek Carr is better. I think he's the same. He, he's he's going to have better statistics than Ryan Tannehill. But I, especially in that division, he's the worst quarterback in their division. He is. By a mile. He's, especially with Russ coming over to Denver, it's, he's going to get throttled multiple, multiple times each season over those three years. And he's going to have the crying Jordan face thing going more often than not. And I'm not going to feel bad about it. No, I mean, I look at this and I go, well, okay. And, and if you're the coaching staff for the Raiders now, you know, that Josh McDaniels has hung his hat on Derek Carr. Yeah. 
and he's decided this. He's going all in. Now, again, we kind of saw this was coming when we saw the, the trade and extension for Devontae Adams. I mean, that, that made sense to me. So For sure. But Derek Carr, yeah, that one kind of surprised me. Um, oh, and other random side note I saw that was confirmed today that Brady is going to be playing for Tampa Bay this year, will not be traded. We're going to get into that at the end. That was the thing I forgot to tell you about. Okay. We're going to talk about the Brady thing at the end because you text me the, the article I'd already read from the Boston I had, Herald. I hadn't and, seen that, but that was really yeah, interesting. I had read, yeah, I, we're going to get into some conspiracy theory shit on that trip. Here I'm minutes. here for it. So we'll get it. That's going to be one of our two bigger stories here at the end. Okay. Um, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is in the news. He had a little interview today that came out, and he feels, and quote, 100% disrespected. I was told one thing, and they completely did another. Where do we feel about Baker Mayfield? How do we feel about this? Do we feel like woe is me? Do we feel like, you know, Baker was lied to? What's your take on the Baker Mayfield situation? From a professional standpoint, I have no doubt that it sucks getting a bait and switch because I think that's probably what happened. I would agree with that. However, he has been one of the most disrespectful quarterbacks that has existed since his time at Oklahoma. And I have no concern for him feeling disrespected because that is his trade. Wow. That's, that's from a Kansas fan who's pissed about the, uh, the crotch grab at the, uh, on the sideline. That's right. I, so here's my thing on it. I, I, one, I do think he was lying. Of course. Look, but I think at the same time, Baker Mayfield has been very disappointed. Oh, he absolutely. Fails, he fails the Ryan Tannehill test to me. He is underachieved by some factor. And, and <laughs> in the two or three games he's been outstanding. He's had a couple of games where he's been oh. outstanding. The biggest one was this past season in 2021 against Kansas City. Yep. He had a fantastic game. Baker Mayfield, the narrative for me turned late mid-season to late in the season when they just weren't using the weapons they had. Here he had Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Njoku, Nick Chubb. I mean, there's enough offense around him that, goddamn, they should be outscoring people. And their defense was not bad. They were, they were built a lot like the Indianapolis Colts team to Peyton Manning. Lots of weapons, a quarterback. Now, he's nowhere near Peyton Manning. I'm not going right. to try that. But it was the same formula. They thought they had a guy who could get the ball to these weapons, they would run up the score, and then defensively, they would get after the quarterback because so, you were going to have to pass to stay with them. So what does that say to you as a coach? It tells me that he wasn't – he wanted the plan to be about him mm-hmm. and not about those players around him. Mm-hmm. And I think the end for him was Odell Beckham's death. Odell Beckham's dad tweeting out the pictures and the videos of here's the times Odell's open and he can't find him. Right. And then Odell Beckham leaves. People are saying, Oh God, he's terrible. Odell Beckham's a bad guy. This and that. We all see Baker in the progressive commercials. He seems so nice and cute and everything. Sure. else. And then Odell Beckham was a model citizen in LA. 
Mm-hmm. It helps them win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, even from somebody who is mostly a fan, yeah, that would point towards dysfunction in the locker room. Yeah. And the quarterback is the guy who's got to be the guy. Should be. I mean, your quarterback in the NFL, most important guy on the field. And he's the most important guy in the locker room. And if you don't have the respect of those players on your team, I don't know that you can keep moving it forward. You got you to move on. It was an organization. And the Browns had what to them is an opportunity to go get a talent. Yeah. A better talented player. I don't think anybody questioned that. Whether you like the off the field stuff or not, I don't agree with it. I know you don't agree with it. We both don't like the guy that that way, but a much more talented player. Absolutely. You got to make that trade. I mean, I I get the football reason. Though. So, yeah. Um, where do you think Baker Mayfield ends up? Wow. I, that is not anything I even thought about because, frankly, I don't think of him as – he, a number he, one anywhere. He's not going to get traded. No one's going to give anything for him. He's only under contract for this season. He's nineteen million in salary. He's going to be an after June one. He's going to be. He's going to be a salary dump. They're going to have to. The Browns are going to have to release him, or someone's going to give him a five or a six. It's going to be someone that gets a quarterback hurt, or Seattle, in my view. Who? Who? Who's quarterback for Atlanta now? Uh, they just went and got Marcus Mariota. I could see him landing there as a second. He wouldn't like it, but Mariota, I'm not sure about his. Well, I think the Falcons are drafting the quarterback. Okay. Yeah, Makes I sense. think I think the, the quarterback they're going to draft is um, the one from Cincinnati, Ritter. Okay. Yeah, I think it'll be a second round pick. No, do something like that. So uh, the funniest thing, here's my funny one, my funny comment about this. So Baker's got the at-home with Baker Mayfield commercials and progressive. You know, they're all right. in the old Cleveland Stadium. They have to do some kind of commercial of, you know, if you have to move or something yes. in your insurance, they got to do something like that, right? Or like, hey, if you've got to do a short-term renter's policy, this is how you do it. I didn't think of them that angle. That's really good. Yeah, Renters Insurance and Baker Mayfield. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be good. Yeah. See, look at that. We were already on top of this forum. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, do you know about my hatred for Dabo Sweeney? You have mentioned it from time to time, but what's come up that's flared it? Um, Okay, so Dabo Sweeney did an interview this past week, and a lot of questions have been about the transfer portal. And like it or not, the transfer portal is here. It's part of football. And with everything going on, the business that is college football. Yeah. And believe me, it's a business. Oh, absolutely. has been. The, The portal is what it is. Dabo Sweeney's quote. My locker room is my transfer portal and claims he will not use the transfer portal. He will not bring in players. He then stated if he were, what's he telling his locker room if he brings in a player? 
He's telling that locker room, those players, well, you're not good enough to be better than this player. Now I can, that piece, I kind of understand. But the when I hear Dabo say, and I hear that particular quote, mm-hmm. it just adds to the allure of the, I'm a snob. I'm trying to build something here at Clemson. And because uh-huh. I'm in the ACC and we don't actually play anybody, um, we're better than we, we're not as good as we think we are, but we're better than everyone else thinks. Um, Dabo Sweeney on the Lou Holtz hatred overrated coach <laughs> is like a 9.5. Holtz is a 10. Dabo is just below him. And, my, and Tyler Jones and I get into this all the time. He loves Dabo Sweeney. I think he's uh-huh. one of the overrated coaches of all time. Dabba Dabba do your ass out of here. Because if he was in the SEC, he wouldn't have won anything. Here's my comment relative to that is that my first blush, because I hadn't seen this until you'd mentioned it. It's like Coach K saying that he isn't going to recruit one and done guys. That's right. And a couple, three seasons later, that's exactly what he was doing. We got the biggest one of all time. Yep. So, and it's also ACC team. I, it makes me wonder if there's some sort of like blueprint that he thinks that Coach K laid out that he's going to be able to follow and become the greatest college coach of all time. Well, I, I just think he's madly overrated. And I think that his success, that he's been better at Clemson than anybody ever has. For sure. Clemson has the one championship in there, like 1980 or like 79, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they were just shit awful for the next 30 years. And Dabo Sweeney's had success. He won a national title. Yep. He got into two national championship games. They've been a contender. He's recruited fairly well. Mm-hmm. Um, his recruiting has sloughed off the last couple of years. Um, they're not in the top five anymore. They're in the top 10. But it, it's the holier-than-thou stuff. He was yeah. against NIL. He's against players getting paid in any way. Now, he's willing to take some of these NIL challenges on. And he's allowing his players to be to be part of that. But a lot of the holier-than-thou stuff of Dabo Sweeney is what bothers me about him. Yeah. And this and, is another example of it. And it just, it really reminds me of Coach K, except for the fact that K gave in and saw what he was missing out on sure. and started to take advantage yeah. of it. Yeah. So I just think that... I just got another big fuck you for Dabo Sweeney. I just do not like that guy at all. I want so bad for Clemson to get into the SEC. You know, I have the theory that the SEC will expand to four more teams. What the hell is the point of having a 20-team league? Because they can control the narrative of the rest of college football. They'll do it because they can get the money. They have so that it's written in their contract with ESPN. Mm-hmm. That their contract expands with membership. And I think what will happen is eventually in the next few years, after they get Texas and Oklahoma moved over finally, they'll get Clemson, North Carolina, Miami, and Florida State. That would be 22 teams. That would be 20. They would, they'll be at 16 with the two they're adding. They have 14 currently. Oh, I thought they were at 16 now. Uh, 14 now. They'll add Oklahoma, Texas, puts them at 16. Yeah. 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 All right. <sighs> And I think the Big Ten is going to be right behind them. Big Ten is going to make the same deal in their contract, no matter who it's with, because they're going to have their contract this summer. 
whether that's with Fox or ESPN or CBS yeah. or whomever, they're going to get the same thing put in, saying that if we expand the league, you have to expand the money by an equal amount to what those number of teams are. And I get it. I totally get it. But the thing that pisses me off, and it's something that we've discussed ad nauseum, at least now with the NIL, the players are getting a piece of it. Yeah. But not the piece that they probably should be. That's well put. Yes. They're getting money, but they're not getting a piece of the pie. Correct. They're getting peripheral money. Yes. Yeah. And people are going to call it the example of, um, you know, Alabama's quarterback has made a million dollars this past season in NIL money. You know, Arch Manning is going to make a mint no matter where he goes. <laughs> so much money. Yeah. I mean, Arch Manning, and, and you know what the rumor is on Arch Manning, right? Texas. Well, I. Yeah, I hear he's down to four schools. I don't I mean, think I also saw Virginia was in the mix too. So I, I the last four I saw was it was Bama, Texas, um, Old Miss because it's where his his uncle grand his was dad and his grandpa went. Yeah, um, and who was the other one? I think he took Clemson or Georgia off. One of those two, either Clemson or Georgia. I think it's Georgia. So Clemson. Cooper went to Old Miss too because this yeah. is Cooper's kid, right? This is Cooper's kid. Cooper okay. went to Old Miss. Have you know you don't know the story of Cooper Manning at Old Miss? Oh, he Cooper Manning is the best athlete of all of the Manning boys. I know. And he was a receiver at, at Old Miss. And when is that was, when the injury happened? He had the he had the spinal issue. So he has a he has a major like degenerative neck issue that they found out during during um I believe it was after his sophomore year. His I guess I thought that year. happened in high school. I guess no, that's why no, it, it happened. He found out about it. It wasn't that he found out about it. And they said, you can't play football anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is the guy who was like an all-state wide receiver. He, yeah. They got to play his senior year with his brother, you know, because Peyton was a sophomore at the time. They were going to play together in college. And when Cooper couldn't play football anymore, that's when Peyton opened up his recruiting. Okay. He was going to go to Old Miss originally. And then he was like, well, if I can't play with Cooper, I'm going to go with best for me. And he ended up in Tennessee. Yeah. I think, I think Arch Manning is going to end up in either Alabama or Texas. I would be really interested just to see how some of the uh, inner family SEC nonsense would show up with him at Bama. Yeah, so the, the thing we've got to do is all of us LSU fans need to get together. We need to all put in together a pot of money. And we just need to pay it to them. And say, look, kid, you're the one. You're the one. Eli didn't go to LSU. Peyton didn't go to LSU. Archie went to Old Miss. What do we have to do? How much butter do you need on that bread? Is it $2 million? Is it $3 million? If every LSU fan can give 50 bucks. We can put together enough money to give to give Arch Manning five to ten million until him come to Baton Rouge. Why are we not getting this done? Someone needs to call Brian Kelly. Put me in charge of Arch Manning's recruitment. I got this. Big bag, yeah. cash money too. We're going to go around. We're going to have a GoFundMe. <laughs> Big old bag of money. Just here you go. Drop it in cash. Just do it, man. You want to tell the tax man. So, um, 
last little tidbit, and then we'll get to the two big stories. Um, the XFL uh, had an announcement today on ESPN. You know, The Rock and his ex-wife on the on the XFL. Okay. You know, it's his ex-wife. It's his agent. She's also his agent and financial person, but it's his Danny Garcia is his ex-wife. Hey, uh, I'm all for having a great relationship with your ex-wife. Absolutely. I, I don't have an ex-wife. I hope I never have an ex-wife. I love you, baby. Uh, <laughs> never want to have, but if I ever do, I'm going to keep a good relationship with her. Um, they, they went on the, they went on, on the ESPN today, talked about the XFL, which won't start till 2023. Okay. And they announced their coaching staffs. The one thing the XFL, the USFL is doing as well too. The USFL is going to start in a couple of weeks. They're not getting crazy with, you know, 12, 15, 16 franchises. It's eight. It's eight okay. franchises. We don't even know where the cities are yet for the XFL. But here's the names of the eight head coaches. And they really kind of highlighted it with four or five at the top here. Two Hall of Famers, Rod Woodson and Heinz Ward, are going to be head coaches. Okay. The big name here, Oklahoma former Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops, who coached in the XFL last year. He did a hell of a job. He, he had the team that only had one loss. Coaching legend, I love this guy, Wade Phillips, son of bum. Yep. I, I love Wade Phillips. Uh, you know, all four of those, the, the three and four of those are just, those are home runs. Jim Hazlitt, former Saints head coach, longtime uh-huh. NFL assistant. Then we've got Terrell Buckley, former corner, played for the most of his career for the Packers. A lot uh-huh. of us know him as, you know, from his days with, uh, Florida State, he was kind of the prime time after prime time. Uh, Anthony Beck, best known as the tight end for the Jets. And Reggie Barlow, who was a former NFL player, was the head coach at Virginia State for the last three or four years, now at the XFL. Yeah. Um, anything excite you on this? I mean, I think the Bob Stoops thing and the Wade Phillips thing is pretty cool. I mean, it's cool. What surprised me is that they have five former players as head coaches. Yeah. which is unusual because I don't think any of them have any sort of head coaching experience. I don't know if they've been on staffs anywhere. Well, I've okay, so got the last three. I named yes. Have been. So okay. uh, Buckley is on staff, was on staff at Florida state for a while. Okay. I don't have the full resume, but he's been in the college ranks for the last few years, mostly as a uh, DB coach. Okay. Beck has been on a couple different staffs as an assistant coach. Barlow, again, was head coach at Virginia State, which is a not a D2, I guess the D2 school. Okay. So um, then you got, I mean, the two big names to me. I mean, it's Stoops and Wade Phillips. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I, it, people make give <laughs> give Wade Phillips a lot of shit, for, especially for his time in Dallas. Um, yeah. And Stoops is, I, I'm going to be curious how long he lasts. I think they're all like one-year deals. I mean, it's just it's coaching for a year. What we saw with Bob Stoops the year he coached it last year before they folded was he really seemed to enjoy coaching. You know, he coached the Oklahoma. Um, the interim, yep. Yeah, it's the interim. He likes coaching. He doesn't want to be a college coach. And all that goes into being a college coach. Yeah. You. you know, but they go in there with professionals, play eight games. I mean, what's what's the you're not gonna hurt anybody doing that? And Wade Phillips is the just the OG. I mean, he's incredible. Yeah, I love Wade Phillips. Um, Wade Phillips to me, the best story about Wade Phillips about his coaching is 
He does get grief when he was the head coach. He was not a very good head coach in Dallas, mm-hmm. but he was integral in the Rams when they moved yes. to LA and um, uh, Sean McVay, you know, knowing how young he was as a head coach. And I got to, yeah. I got to have some kind of credit, some kind of credibility. And so he walked into his interview knowing he was going to hire Wade Phillips. Yeah. He already had it planned. And that credibility gave him cred with everybody. I For mean, sure. Wade Phillips is one of the most liked guys in the NFL. And I like that the XFL is partnering with the NFL. They're partnering with the NFL PA. Okay. X players, players. And I mean, X players. I don't mean guys who had 10 year careers. It's these guys who didn't quite make rosters who could get a second chance. They're going to be having workouts for these guys to work out for these coaches. Mm-hmm. A chance to be on these XFL teams. You know, the rock mentioned in the interview, the rock said, Hey, you know, I, he went to Miami, played at Miami. He says, I would have gone and played in the XFL. I was never, yeah. I never an NFL prospect. I had to go to Canada. Yep. I, he, I would have, he said, I would have loved to play in the XFL. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be those players who are really good college players who just aren't going to get the chance, whether they're undersized or maybe they just overlooked. They're going to get a chance. Yeah. Well, hey, be fun. everybody needs a farm system, right? Yeah, yeah they do. And, I think both the USFL and the XFL have been smart. I like what the USFL is doing. They start here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, they're playing all their games in one place. Yeah. And they're down in Birmingham. And I was by that facility a couple of years ago. Yeah. And it's brand new. It's, you know, UAB. And it's in a nice little area. There's things to do for fans and all that kind of stuff. Uh, bars and restaurants and that kind yeah. of thing. So, uh I think it'll be a good draw in Birmingham, especially during the summer where you don't have a professional team. Mm -hmm. College is on hold, but it's a football stronghold. Yeah. And they'll play two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. All games are televised. They're going to be on ESPN. They're going to be on NBC. I think CB. I think it's, I think it's NBC and Fox. Okay. I I, I don't remember. They're all going to be where you can find them. Is it not going to be us trying to go find you know, true <laughs> TV for the for the NCAA basketball tournament? Cheers, smart madness. Yeah. So, hey, before we get into the two big ones, I wanted to ask: we have a brand new sponsor. I heard about this on Monday. Brand new sponsor, Gold Belly. So, um, we got involved with Gold Belly, and I want to tell you about Gold Belly. Gold Belly is founded by a uh, founded by a man named Joe Ariel, and Joe Ariel's belief is that. We as people connect through food. And, and I, I love this idea. So mm-hmm. I travel, you travel. We've all been different places and yeah. we try different restaurants for different types of cuisine. Then we come home and sometimes you get that urge for something. You know, I'm from New Orleans and I want, there's all the time I tell Jen, say, what are you for dinner tonight? I'll go, I want the gumbo from the Commander's Palace mm-hmm. and I can't get that. But you know how I can get the gumbo from Commander's Palace? Because I know it's on the way. It's through Gold Belly. You can get it right from the commander's palace. You can go on. If you've been to Cincinnati, you like Skyline Chili. You can mm-hmm. get it through Gold Belly. Now, we in Kansas City, we're kind of blessed. We got all these great barbecue places. Yeah. But you want to, you know, if you're not from Kansas City, maybe you're in Denver and you say, God, I miss Joe's barbecue. You can get it on Gold Or, Belly. as my son would say, can we get Dreamland from Tuscaloosa? There you go. So you can find all these great places. You can, there's restaurants, you go in there, but you know, they got sorted by region, by cuisine. 
They've got restaurants. They've got meal kits. Uh, some of the stuff they have on here, I ordered. So I've got Commander's Palace gumbo coming. Mm-hmm. And I've got Hattie B's hot chicken coming next week. Nice. So I'm doing a thing where I'm getting something every one time a week for the next few weeks. And then they've got some live cooking lessons, all these dessert kits, all sorts of cool stuff. And they have stuff right now. They've got a whole different category just for Easter, just for Passover. Meal kits. The meal kits are great. Check out goldbelly.com. You can check the link in our show notes. And when you do that, you're going to get $25 off your order of $50 or more, your first order. So you basically save half. Get on, try it out, follow the link. I promise you'll like it. You get to try something different or you get to try something you know you like and you get that experience again of, you know, being at the Commander's Palace or Skyline yeah. Chili or Hattie B's Hot Chicken. And those are things you remember. And sometimes you just kind of want that feeling again. So try it out. Check out Gold Belly. The show notes, we will have the link in there. It's a limited time only on the, uh, on the promo. So get in there as soon as you can. Nice. All right. So... We got two stories here. Do you want to do the story that you that you sent over to me first, or do you want to do the commanders first? Um, I'll do mine. I just I found it interesting. I was scrolling through Twitter yesterday, I guess it was, saw an article that come out in the Boston Globe the week prior that I had missed because Globe has paywall, you don't necessarily see everything. Yeah. And it was a story about how Tom Brady was going to become an owner, partial owner of the Dolphins and move into the front office, if I remember correctly, bring Sean Payton in, and then unretire and become the Dolphins quarterback. And Brian Flores and his lawsuit fucked it all up yeah so let's yeah so let's review this so yeah first thing first is um the ownership of the dolphins has been trying to get tom brady for the last three years Mm -hmm. and it's a a deal again when he went to the bucks originally the dolphins were one of the last teams um this next thing was okay tom brady's gonna move into some kind of role off the field when he gets out whether that's we all know he wants to be an owner. And it was supposed to be some kind of deal similar to what Derek Jeter had with the Miami Marlins. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the idea was he becomes president of the team. Kind of like John Elway was president of the uh, Dolphins, or the Broncos. And that turned out so well. Yeah, not, not, not the best. But then you get um, from there, he would get Sean Payton as his new coach. They had already fired Brian. Brian Flores had already been fired. Correct. Sean Payton would then be the, the Dolphins would have to trade to get Sean Payton's rights. That mm-hmm. still has to happen. He's still under contract for a couple of years. He's not going anywhere without the Saints getting compensated. And then Tom Brady would then try to broker some kind of deal in a trade after the Bucks get their quarterback situation squared away after he has retired. Now, my question is this. Do you think this is, do you think they went this far? Do you think he really was, they, the Boston Globe article draws some conclusions. They're logical conclusions based on the timing. Yes. 
And, and the Brian Flores lawsuit does tend to fuck things up because now you can't hire a coach if you're the Dolphins. You can't bring in a a, a white coach in Sean Payton uh-huh. and a white director executive in mm-hmm. Tom Brady without going through the Rooney Rule. Mm-hmm. And you especially can't get around it if you just got sued like the Dolphins just did by Brian Flores. Well, and the final two pieces that they mention is that Brady had gone to London, the Man U game, yep. which Man U is partially owned by the Glazers, who, own the Bucks. who owns the Bucks, And then um, also, you know, by the end of the month, Bruce Arians decided to retire. And part of the issue with Brady retiring is that he and Byron Leftwich would create game plans and Bruce Arians supposedly would come in and just rip them all shreds. So I just found it really interesting. I'm here for this conspiracy theory, given everything that continues to come out with Mm -hmm. the additional coaches that are joining um, Brian Flores' lawsuit that you touched on on Monday. It makes sense. (laughs) I don't know that it got as far as, you know, the Flores thing just ended it all. I don't know if they Mm -hmm. were even that far into it. I don't think that Brady retired because he was going to go to the Dolphins in the front office. And that's fair. I, I, but I do think the pieces all do kind of fit. I think that this might've been the agenda. And there was some talk that the Dolphins would try to get Tom Brady in offering, you know, the Bucks some kind of Tua and a shitload of picks, you know, but if you get to where, you know, first thing first, if Tom Brady retires, you got to replace the quarterback and you figure out, okay, well, what are we going to do? You know, if they can't get on the Aaron Rodgers piece, they didn't get in on Russell Wilson, mm-hmm. you know, did they know that Tom Brady was willing to come back? So that's another piece. Because obviously I do think that the conspiracy theory I am 100% in on is that Arians got bumped up to the front office because Brady doesn't want him as the head coach. I think I'm 100% that's, in on that. I think that's absolutely true, and I'm sure it was – I would feel safe saying a lot of it revolved around that conversation that Brady had with Glazer yeah. in London yeah. at that Man U game. Well, when I saw that he was at the Man U game. Yes. And knowing that Man U is owned by the Blazers, the Glazers, the same people who own the, the Bucks. Yep. And then they had the piece where Cristiano Ronaldo asked him, are you done? And he yep. kind of gave that little look. I, the, my thought was, okay, the Bucks have talked to him. They're there. He's going to come back and they've offered him some sort of ownership stake to do this. And that will be interesting, right? Yeah. Like what's going to be the play at the end of the season? Yeah. Regardless because, of the outcome. Yeah. Because in the end, that's what Tom Brady's play is. He wants to be. Yes. He wants to be an owner. He, it, it's well, a race between him and Manny. And Who's that's what, first? I mean, we've been talking about this yeah. for weeks at this point. And I think right? that, and I think Brady's play was, Okay, well, let's try this thing with the glad with the, with the glazers, and we'll see if it, if it works. Mm-hmm. Now, whether the idea of him going to the Dolphins was kind of Plan A, I don't know if that necessarily is true. It could be just wishful thinking by the Dolphins and by their ownership. And then you put in the Flores deal, and you say, "Well," because I do think that the the deal from the get go of fry of uh, firing Brian Flores was to get Sean Payton. 
which makes they didn't do they could they, they couldn't do it because of what just happened now yeah yeah they don't have they don't have the quarterback you know and, my understanding was that brady originally was considering signing with the saints before he signed with the bucks but drew Brees did not retire and here's the thing like what impact still does the Broncos ownership determination or auction, I guess it is at this point. Yeah. What's the fallout from that? Yeah. Could Brady put a group together and buy that? I don't think Brady would, but it's, it's Manning. Manning is the one who I think will try. I don't think he will. I think the Byron Allen thing seems like it's the most logical explanation. But that doesn't mean that, that Manning isn't going to be a piece of that. He could be. I could be, could be. I think, I think the NFL badly wants. Oh, of course they do. Byron Allen to own that team just because of the majority yes. owner. He can. That's going to alleviate a lot of concerns they have in courts. If that's going to alleviate them. some concerns, but that this tokenism. It won't. Yeah, it won't. Yeah. No. It reminds me to talk about some at the end. Um, so yeah, I, I I'm here for the idea that Brady submarine BA. Which yeah. I have a problem with because I love Bruce Arians. He seems like a great guy, but Bruce I'm Arians also not is, a quarterback. So yeah, I, here's the thing: is that every quarterback that played under Bruce Arians played their best years under Bruce Arians. Their best years of their careers when he was their quarterback coach, their head, their their their, their, their his offensive coordinator, whoever it was, had their most success under Bruce Arians. Now, Tom Brady, you can say didn't because he won the one Super Bowl in two years. And I guess he's just not as comfortable with it. I mean, but I mean, there's a lot of guys who played great with Bruce Arians. Now, I don't like the idea if Bruce Arians is coming in here on Friday and he is taking a red pin to the play to the to the the play sheets and everything, that's probably a problem, but but is a problem. But what's different? What was different in 2021 than was in 2020? That's I mean, the, that's what we don't know. And so, I, I I think that one of the other piece of it is that sometimes, okay, let's be honest. Tom Brady has not played fantastic his two years at the Broncos. He no. was not good his first year. No, he got he lucky. Had great numbers in 2021. I mean, they were MVP caliber numbers. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what they wanted him to do, a lot of what Bruce Arians' offense does, Brady can't do. He can't throw the ball down the field. They had to change a lot of things, adapt a lot of things to Tom Brady. And maybe he wanted more than what Bruce was willing to do. You know, but but they had to make that thing work for one more season. I am glad that, I mean, I hope that Bruce Arians got some money. I hope he's healthy. Oh, yes. Be okay, because I know he's also had health issues. He's an old yes. guy. He's got some heart issues. He ain't a small man. So I hope the BA is going to sit on his boat with a lot of money. But uh, a lot of this does not play well for Tom Brady. It doesn't, and it kind of makes me think of a LeBron esque with Frank Vogel getting fired from the Lakers because LeBron likes to get head coaches fired. Yeah. Was Brady trying to maneuver Leftwich into a head coaching position because it would enable him to do yeah. what he wanted to? Well, Byron Leftwich did not get the head coaching job. 
He didn't, but that doesn't mean that Brady wasn't trying to get him there. Yeah. And and Byron Lutz will be a head coach at some point. And I think deservingly so. Well, and again, that's something that we discussed with the the Panthers and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just, it's interesting. I, 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 in the end, it's not a good look. I did hear one interesting take on this. So these rumors got around, you know, this is all, this is all broke. This whole news story was mm-hmm. broke by the guys in WEI and in Boston Globe. In Boston. Yeah. You know, they always, they knew Brady. They know Belichick. Is it Belichick that knew all this stuff and told these guys, hey, here's what's going on. You guys want to use this, go ahead. Because if you think about it, where did the Brian Flores situation get wonky? When Brian uh, Flores got a text from Bill Belichick. There, there's some dirty dealing going on so throughout the league. Is Bill Belichick Kaiser Soze? I mean, is he just going, hey, I can fuck up everybody here and I'm gonna do it? Why not? I, I it, it there's a lot that goes into that, and I don't think in the end that's I don't think it's this grand conspiracy with the Dolphins. Um, I do think there was a, a not a necessarily conspiracy, but I do think there was something to get Flores out to try to bring in Sean Payton. Whether Tom Brady was involved in that or not, I don't think is. I think that would maybe the hope, but I don't know if that was the the full deal. And I will say this is that um, my thought is is that. Belichick holds grudges forever mm-hmm. and will pay them when he deems them to be due. Yeah. So, all right. With that last piece we got here, we're going to try to make this a shorter one than normal for us, but um, last piece I got, I find this interesting. I know you've kind of followed some of this stuff over the last couple of years, Dan Snyder and his Washington commanders. This guy cannot quit fucking things up. I mean, this guy is so dirty. Let's kind of fill the folks in on what's going on. I'm going to do this in here. So last couple of weeks, Congress has been looking into the Washington defenders. Now, people ask, well, why the fuck is Congress involved? The NFL has a, um, um, an antitrust agreement. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're not considered a monopoly. But if you do certain things and don't follow the rules, Congress can rip that antitrust exemption away from you pretty quickly. Sherman Antitrust Act. Yep. And boom, you are busted. And there's going to be lots of issues. So the U.S. House Oversight Committee has issued a 20-page report after all these findings. They had among them, uh, they received a number of... um, emails and Excel sheets from a former longtime employee named Jason Friedman, a longtime employee of the commanders. Some of the things we're seeing, this is the quote from the report. The commanders had a multi-year process of altering records to hide revenue that led to more profits for the organization. Now, there are two things in play. Now, we're not even worried about the stuff that's already happened. They're already being looked at from a lot of the different off the field employee stuff, you know, mm-hmm. unsafe work environments, uh, you know, harassment, all these things that have happened. 
These are already on the record. Now the two things out there are payments not being made to other NFL teams mm-hmm. involving basically shortchanging the visiting team on the ticket revenue. And I'll explain how that works in a minute. Okay. And the other piece is that Friedman alleged, Friedman alleged the team has retained $5 million in deposits from approximately 2,000 customers. These are season ticket holders who put down deposits that should have been refunded to them upon purchase or on okay. not purchase that now the commanders have said, nope, that's our money. Now we'll get to the ticket revenue piece. So I'll jump on that first. So how this works is when an NFL team has a game. So let's say the commanders have a home game against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. The home team gets 60% of the revenue from the gate. The visiting team gets 40. Now there are certain exempted items. Luxury boxes are exempted. Certain club level type of boxes are also exempted. And this is straight ticket sales, not concessions. and Not concessions, anything else. Ticket sales. The way it then works is on a however often basis. I'm not exactly, I have not been told how often this happens. But the teams basically go through their records. They say, okay, there was however many million in revenues. Mm -hmm. This team is 40%. Boom, here you go. The commanders are being accused of clicking the books. They're shorting their, their visiting teams. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, let's talk about this, a multi-billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. A franchise in the NFL. There is nothing that makes money like the NFL teams. Right. And this guy is shorting a million here, a few million. And, and granted, a million dollars is a lot of money to you, to me, and everybody listening to this podcast. My question here is, at what point will the NFL, the owners, stand up to this guy and say, you're a fucking scumbag? Is now he's stealing from them. Now he's shorting, he's cooking the books and he's shorting his brethren. Right. If you're stealing, if, if I'm an NFL owner, we can get through, I don't like the idea, but you can get through uh, public relations issues. Mm-hmm. Even Deshaun Watson will blow over. It all will. Once we start playing the games, it all blows up. Yeah. But now you start fucking with my money. We might have to have a talk. So the NFL has decided to have an internal investigation. We know how those uh-huh. and they've hired the former SEC chairman. That's not, not the, not the uh, Southeastern Conference chairman. This is the Securities and Exchange Commission <laughs> to handle the investigation of the commander's books. Now, my question to you is this. One, yes. is this a this investigation itself? Is it a red herring? Is this just a, we got to save our phony baloney jobs? Or are these owners saying, you've stolen from us? That's the last straw. Now it's your ass. And maybe is this time that they're going to take this team from Snyder? Will the NFL step in? And if they find enough evidence, will they make Daniel Snyder do what Donald Sterling had to do with the Clippers a couple of years ago. To me, when I hear this, because this, again, I just hadn't been on top of it. We kind of touched on briefly. This sounds to me like what you see is a stereotypical mob family issue coming to a head that people are stepping in other people's territories 
and they're mm-hmm. cutting the, they're skimming the cut. And to your point of, especially with so much of this being vanity projects for these owners and them wanting to acquire and amass that cash so they can spend it on other things and just say that they own it on top of cheerleading scandal, the John Gruden scandal, the this, that, and the other scandal this will be, I would have to think, would be the tipping point just because the other owners are going to, to your point, say, fuck you, give me my money. Yeah. You weren't fucking with my money before. You were yeah. making us look bad. Yeah. But, you know, the rest of us haven't been exposed in that. Now, a bunch of us are getting shown to be shills. Yeah. And that's not going to sit well with people who think they are the savviest folks. Yeah on the planet. And to me, it's not akin to Donald Sterling because that was a wholly different beast. But I'm not sure that the league has the balls to actually pull ownership. Okay. So I don't disagree with you at all. I don't think they're going to do it. Um, I also know that Dan Snyder's number one guy. His number one guy in his back pocket is Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the most powerful man in the NFL. And, and you know, if Jerry comes around, Jerry says, no, 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 no. You're not fucking my money now. Then it's going to be over for him. But I think this is all a red herring. I think that this investigation is a red herring. I think the whole thing, he hired the SEC commissioner. I think they went for a name. You know, I don't even have her name up here, but it was, you know, some again, who was a former SEC chairman. You, you, you get these things and you go, well, okay, it just means the NFL is taking this serious. No, it doesn't. No, what investigation has the NFL taken seriously in the last 10, 15 years? None. They, they didn't take concussions seriously. They didn't take the, the paying their players seriously. They didn't take anything seriously except for the money. But this is not the kind of money that changes. This isn't a TV contract. No, no. Like this you- is the kind of money, a million here, a million there. Someone skip, as they say in the, in the movie Casino, someone's skimming the skim. It's, yes. le- it's leakage. And that's what these, these owners are going to look at because here's the question. Are there other owners doing this? Well, and so that was going to be my follow-up point because Dan Snyder's been in the league for long enough that yeah. he knows where all the bodies are buried. He does. And to your point, if people have concerns because they've all had a gentleman's agreement that this is okay. Yeah. It is going to take an owner who does not care about the other owners. And there's too much old money yeah. There just isn't that one guy. The one guy it could have been was Mark Davis, the, the Raiders owner. Oh, God, no. He because of his that. dad. You, well, see, because of his dad. His dad fought the NFL tooth and nail. No, but, but the but Davis is so but Mark's not his dad. No. If Al Davis were around, he'd take this battle off. I don't think he would. I think he would. Because the Raiders. Think, think of all the shit that would come out with the Raiders. Yeah, but I. I well, I think if, if, if Al Davis owned the Raiders still, a lot of that stuff wouldn't happen. 
And it's probably still happening. Have you looked at Mark Davis's haircut? Well, yeah, Mark Davis is a disaster. He looks like a, he looks like a, like a, not even a Bond villain. He looked like the Bond villain's bad, like henchman. Um, An inept henchman at that. He looks more like an Austin Powers character than than a James Bond villain. I guess my my only thought that this might be something is because there's constantly something about the commanders. Yeah. It, yes. And it, it, well, that's the thing is that at some point they got to tell this guy, you got to go. And giving it to your wife isn't sufficient. I've been watching Winning Time on HBO Max. Oh, I love that show. I binged it yesterday. It's I had great. not been watching it. It's great, isn't it? I'm fascinated by it. Everyone looks horrible. And I think that's to some extent how everything was, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Let's finish the commanders. Okay. But it's one of those things that you can only paper it for so long. Yeah. And they've been great about papering it for the last 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's about to get, he's going to get got, you know, I mean, his clock is running out and whether it's this or it's going to be something else. Yeah. I, in five years, he won't be an owner. Yeah. I mean, he's at the point of where he's getting busted for skimming the skim. If you skim in the skim, I mean, you're just the lowest. I mean, you're a rat. I, I think he's got to go. It, it, to me, if you're these NFL, if you're these NFL owners, there's two things you could do right now that would really go well for your, for your organization. One, really put a suspension on Deshaun Watson. Put a big one. A season more. Two, Dan Snyder has to sell his team. I don't think either of those things are happening. Nope. But I think that if they want credibility at that level, the biggest problem is that in the NFL, it doesn't matter because we all watch on Sunday. You do, I do, we all do. Hey, the five highest rated shows on television this past year are all NFL games. I know. And, you know. Every other every other organization in sports is losing viewers. It is what it is, and it sucks. And I, the thing of it is, there's no need for the owners to gain credibility because it doesn't matter to them. Exactly. That's well put. That's well, we're going to end with that part on that. All right. So you said you've been binging winning time. I did. I, I watched uh, it all yesterday, the entire uh, season so up to date. Winning time is based on the book. And just so you know, it's loosely based on that book. <laughs> yes. Um, I heard, I can't, God dang it. I got to look it up. It's about it. Um, this is good i can just sit here and just keep yeah <laughs> no, it's, like, it's one of those things that yeah. um yeah oh god adam adam mckay though who is the who is one of will ferrell's guys he's the he, he was, was. The producer and director was yeah uh, until Christian this Drew, all uh, came out he's done anchorman he's done uh i can't even think of all the stuff that adam mckay he's, he's done you know the big short uh big short yes you know he did uh up in the air yes. uh that netflix one that was up for an oscar and that kind of stuff 
he's done a wide variety of stuff, but Adam McKay has been super just interested in sports. He had a recent podcast that came out series that was uh, called on the wing, which I've not listened to, but it talks about drugs and how they infiltrated the NBA and how it affected NBA players. I've understood it's very good. Um, And I kind of avoided winning time because initially the things I was hearing about how it was filmed, which is very, like literally I think they shot on eight millimeter film. It's grainy. There's a lot of talking to the camera, breaking the fourth wall. I hear that a lot. And it's not just one character. It's like five different characters have broken the fourth wall so far. Everybody. Scott Osler is the, is the writer of winning time. And um, so it's loosely based on that book. And I think some of it is just kind of like, Adam McKay is a huge NBA fan and he grew up a Lakers fan. And some of it is probably a reimagining of what it was like in the late seventies, eighties NBA. And some of it's probably more accurate than anyone would care to admit. Like, well, okay. So Scott Osler says, and as I heard in, in a podcast, he did, um, I believe it was with, um, Oh, it was either with Marsh, with, I think it was Andrew Marshawn. Anyway, um, I don't remember exactly. He said, that, Look, it's based on the book, but a lot of this stuff's not in the book. And a lot of this stuff is fiction. And the timeline is the biggest thing. So if you watch yeah. the show, Jeannie Buss is like an employee, like the first employee that her dad hires to be yeah. with the Lakers. Jeannie Buss wasn't with the Lakers till the, till the early 80s, like 82 or 83. Yeah, like she's a student at USC. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was talk like um, in the beginning of the first episode, um, Jason Clark plays Jerry West. And he's great as Jerry West. I would never imagine Jerry West like this. No, because that, he's off the rails. And I hear that Jerry West is nothing like this yes. in, in actuality. But they said that Jerry West didn't want to draft Magic Johnson. And like, look, everyone wanted to draft Magic Johnson. There was no, yeah, there was no, oh, we're going to draft Magic. What are we going to do? Yada, yada. No, it was, um, but they did get correct um, the bike accident. Yeah. like I was, so, I was wondering how they were going to pull that one off. because That's wild. There, because there's definitely a caricature of every single person. Yeah in the show and it's all blown a little bit more out of proportion but the bike accident you know coming in and paul filling that even magic like playing him as much of a ladies man and maybe he was that early on like we all know he was but out the gate I, i don't know yeah. Well, and so yeah. it's been interesting, especially just for the fact that cookies being woven back in and yeah. how that kind of looks. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I know so far, they've actually been like historically correct on is the Jack McKinney accident. Yeah. He did really have a head injury on a bicycle ride. That well, and I think even and he only went like 16 games as the head coach in the league. And the Tark stuff is relatively accurate. Yeah, I don't know. Was the murder piece? Really yes. 
Okay, I did. I didn't know of. And, and, and yeah, no, just googling it and stuff. Yeah, his, I did. I, yeah, I looked his best up. buddy was taken out in a hit <laughs> by the Vegas mob. Yeah, and whether that was, I guess, we don't know if it's really involved with Dr. Jerry Buss, but you know, um, I, I find it to be funny because one, I mean, I always knew who Dr. Jerry Buss was, and I saw him late in his life. You know, mm-hmm. he was still the Lakers owner. Mm-hmm. And then when we remember when poker became really, really popular in the yeah. early 2000s, he was like on all these poker TV shows. Yeah. As someone who would play like, you know, million dollar games and he sort of yeah. thing. He was very well known in Las Vegas in those circles. Um, John C. Riley is perfect as Dr. Jerry Buss. And what's fascinating to me, because the split with Adam McKay and Will Ferrell evidently came because Will Ferrell really wanted to play jerry bus i don't think he would have been good i, I don't love, i love will ferrell either. but i don't think he would have been good with, with this i game. i agree i i, don't I think he'd have been a good jerry west maybe. i think jason clarkson a good job maybe um you know i hate that their production company broke up because of it uh and i hope they see their them their way back to each other but John C. Riley, there's just something that, and frankly, seeing Sally Field, yes, has She's been off a the rails. She's I off the rails. have loved it. I've loved yeah. seeing Sally Fields acting and just being someone her age, regardless okay. of everything. But yeah, some of that shit, you're just kind of like, wow. I love it. And knowing who some of these guys are, knowing who, like, I know who, you know, Paul Westhead is. And there's no, yeah. Jason Seagal is, is, is Paul Westhead's kind of different. And um, Quincy Isaiah, who's playing Magic, I don't know who he, I've never seen him in anything before. I don't but know he's who that good. Is. He's really good as Magic. He's, he's so good. As Magic. Um, Jason Clark, to me, has stolen the show outside of John C. Wright. John C. Wright is fucking hysterical. Is Jerry Buss. And then Jason Clark is Jerry. I can't keep my eyes off him. Jerry yeah. Buss. No, I was really fascinated to um, the most recent episode was kind of talking about the sneaker deals. And I don't know if the sneaker, the Nike offer was real, but putting the money behind it. Yeah. Is a fascinating just kind of snapshot given yeah. George coming a couple of years behind, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was the, so the, if you don't, if you haven't seen the, the show yet, this week's episode um magic is going and talking to his agent who is his girlfriend's father yep he doesn't want to date the girl anymore and he gets the father involved in that which is actually pretty well done it is that was really well done and then they get they bring him in to meet with all the shoe executives so it's converse it was adidas puma Nike, nike could not even get a meeting with him and so they have phil knight uh-huh. Character, somebody play Phil Knight, um, approached him in the hotel bar. Yeah, just ambushed him. Ambushed him and said, hey, I'll give you this and this and this. And, and then they say, hey, you know, you would get this many shares of stock. And yeah, our stock's only 18 cents a share, but what could it be? And then they later they do the math. When Magic chooses Converse. Yeah. And it would have been like $1.2 billion or something. Like oh, no. That. It was like $5.4 billion. I wasn't. Okay. I thought it was. Yeah. Billion. But still, it's a lot of money. 
Um, it, it was. And it basically saying that magic was going to be what Jordan, what Air Jordan was. Yep. Yeah, and I do. I don't know if that's truly the real way. I mean, I've seen the um, on one of the. Oh, it was the Sonny Vaccaro thirty for thirty, where he talks about recruiting Jordan to the Jordan to to Nike. Uh huh. And they get pretty specific on hey, they were very organized what they were going to do. It makes it feel like the two years earlier Phil Knight wasn't that organized. The yeah. Other person because I like this actor mm-hmm. was. Um, uh, in the very first couple episodes, they had um, oh god, I can't, why can't I think of his name now? Um, Michael Chiklis came in as Red Auerbach. Yes, he and the was interaction between, between Red Auerbach and Jerry Buss were great. It really set a good tone for the show. Yeah, if you're watching the show or if you haven't watched it yet, you're thinking about it. Keep in mind, it is Adam McKay, so this is a comedy. It it's is a story, but it's got comical overtones all the way through it. But that and sit down dinner, yes, with with Red Auerbach, yeah, the Michael yes. character, and and Dr. Jerry Buss was not, yeah, it was tremendous. Yeah. Like the tone of it was perfect. Yeah, Michael Chickles is a great Red Auerbach. Yeah, um, I just think it's been really great acted. I think it's been well written. I think it's yeah. funny as hell. And I just love the over the topness of the whole yes, thing. For sure. It's not like it's not like an it's not written like Anchorman where every line's supposed to make you laugh. It's just that if you follow the story, there'll be these parts that are just fucking hysterical. Absolutely. And you get to those moments and they're they're great. Um, and they certainly have the, the disclaimer at the beginning and or end that yeah. this is based on actual yeah. events but th- some things have been fictionalized blah yeah. blah blah yeah. so they've got the scene right a lot of it is and, and, and more of it's been the timetable being crushed and, yeah and they have been good with the basketball stuff so far because we're still in yeah. the first season they've been right on i mean the coach was got the coach got a knee injury 16 games in the season they had the thing about magic in the first game where yeah. kareem makes a shot and magic goes crazy and hugs him and kareem's like hey kid yeah i'll get 81 of these and Adrian Brody playing Pat, Pat yeah, it, was, I was just like, okay. You're waiting for the Pat Riley, of the, we know Pat Riley to come. Yes. Out. You know it's coming. It's yeah. the point. Like at a, at a certain point, that character becomes one of the main characters. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. They can go a lot of different ways with this. For sure. And I love it. Uh, I'm here for this show. Uh, to me, Sunday night, yes, on uh, HBO, you got this. And you got John Oliver and then Bomani Jones. It's like, that's two hours of TV. I just don't miss it. It's those. a great trifecta for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was great. So, uh, did you see what, did you watch John Oliver this week? Yes. Did you see him basically threaten Congress? Yeah, it he's, was fantastic. He, I want to know what, he's blackmailing Congress. I want to know what is in that manila envelope. I just want to know what's in that envelope. I want to, uh, He's gonna black. I want to know all the people who were deciding to do Ted Cruz uh, erotica fiction. Well, you know what? I if I had heard that, I'd have pulled that up on the internet too, just because that seems like it'd be fun. And if I was a member of Congress, I'd have been like, "Hey, after John Oliver did that, I would have released on Twitter. Yes, I'm one of the folks that googled this, and here's the reason because that shit's fun." 
So that's, I'm going to be interested to see within the next couple of weeks, if there's some sort of follow-up. Yeah, that'd be fine. Because I want to know if he has like some hard deadline that he's just like, okay, we're going to release the megadata and people are going to be able to figure out who's doing what. Yeah. So a last thing we talked about a couple weeks ago about nepotism in the NFL. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, Bomani Jones? Uh, yes. Uh, Bomani, and he's talked about it on his podcast a couple of times. He went in hard on nepotism. He had the strings and everything. Yes. So have you seen the college football nepotism this week? No, I must okay, have missed so, it. So, oh, this is going to be hard for me because this guy's my dude too. Okay. Coach O. Oh, about the visit. Ed Ogeron is, is, as we talked this week, visiting Notre Dame. When asked, why is he visiting Notre Dame? It's because his three boys all want to be coaches, and he wants to get them involved with coaching. And he was talking to the head coach of Notre Dame, and they were willing to let his boys come out and work with their coaching staff and, and everything going on. And Coach O spoke to Notre Dame's team this week. God damn, it must be good to have a dad who's a, a high-end coach. If um, my dad had been a high-end coach, I'd be the head coach of an NFL team right now. Would you also like to mention why this hurts a little bit more? Well, we know if you listen to this podcast that I absolutely hate Notre Dame. <laughs> I mean, everyone that listens to this podcast knows that Notre Dame, the Yankees, there's a couple of these things that are, to me, just they're the devil, and those are two of them. Um. Those are probably one and one A to me, Notre Dame and the Yankees. Yeah, no, it's it's fucking wild that yeah. you can be a high position person yeah. in probably any arena, yeah. but coaching it's especially just glaring. Well put, yeah. So I got a text from my brother this afternoon, mm-hmm. and shout out to my brother. He just had a little uh, outpatient deal this week. He's doing good. So if you know, if hey Barry, hope you're Barry. feeling good. Yeah, Barry, I'll have you. Hope you're feeling better. Uh, nothing major. He's good to go. But uh, he texted me because he wanted to fuck with me a little bit. And I, I, I love how we fuck with each other. So he he said, did you see this yet? How does this make you feel? Because for those of you who don't know, I'm an LSU guy, but I love Coach Ultra. I I understood why he got fired at LSU. I believe he should have been fired at LSU. Mm-hmm. But I love Coach O. He's an LSU guy. He's a Louisiana guy. He's He's he, he's he's who I would have been if I hadn't have gone off the, 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 the on the bender he went on after winning the national championship. Um, but I when he gave me Barry sent me my brother Barry sent me the text. I said to him, he said, "Does this hurt?" And I said, "Yes, it does." Give me the Coach O doll so I can show you where on the doll it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I just played right into it. I was just like, "No, I'm a, I'm not gonna let you get me. I'm gonna play all the way. In. I'm gonna lean in." But yeah, the the it's just another example of it. You know, we saw Bomani bring it up on Game Theory, yeah. and we've talked about it in here before. I talked about it on the Jones report with Tyler. I just it really bugs me that this is happening. And I it's get it, gross. You know, and I will say, look, you know, my son is someone I, you know, I love my son very much. And my know. son wants to be involved in sports in some way, shape, or form in his career. Mm-hmm. I think he wants to go into officiating, but 
And I do have contacts, people I know, people who've been on this podcast, people that are friends of mine who, yeah, it would help. But he's also working his way through umpiring. Yeah, he's also umpiring high school ball and and little league ball and doing these sort of things so that he can build a resume at 19 years Mm -hmm. old so that when he's 23 and 24, he's out of college, he can maybe get an opportunity to go to umpire school and maybe become a a, a high minor league or a major league umpire one day. You know, you have to know some people. And I don't begrudge the kids. You know, if Coach Ogeron's kids are going to get an opportunity because he's Coach O, you know what? I understand because I would give my kid the opportunity to. But in the overall, the overall of everything, it takes Mm -hmm. opportunities away. People are getting jobs they're not qualified for. And at the the highest levels, at the highest levels. Yes. And this was the whole point of Bomani's rant. Yeah. Was he said, white folks, I'm here for you because you're getting screwed Yeah, because you've got somebody like a kid named Deuce Gruden, yep. who is John Gruden's son yep. and who is a weight trainer for yep. a team now in the league yeah. because he's John Gruden's yeah, son. He's, he's an SNC coach because his dad's John Gruden. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, the glaring one locally here in Kansas City was Andy Reid's son. Yeah. You know? And God, I mean, that had it, some horrific consequences. It, but. It, and, it, and Yes, it did. And, and I'm not saying that because of that. The, no, of, of no. They're not. Being very clear about them. that. But I, I will say, I mean, here's a guy who, who clearly wasn't mature enough to understand his place on a multi-billion dollar NFL franchise. Yeah. Again, had my son been that age, had I been given that job at that age, I'll say it this way. If I'd been given that job in my late 20s, I wouldn't have been an embarrassment to a multi-billion dollar company. You'd hope not. I don't, I don't think I'd make that mistake. I mean, you can't 100% certainly, but I can tell you now, if I'd have had all the tools he has, if we got the Uber, I got a car service, I'm not going to fucking hit anybody. I'm not going to drink and drive. I know. I just, the thing that astounds me though, is that we see it time and again, they all have the tools, but they don't have someone double checking them to force them to use them. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is accountability. It's hard to hold your kid accountable sometimes. It's hard to hold a lot. It's hard to hold the boss's kid. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Maybe it's not. And I'm not going to sit here and say that stuff's on Andy Reid. I'm not. I know Kevin Keatsman tried to say that, but that's that's Kevin Keatsman. He got to fire for his job for saying that. Um, well, he he and, is and I don't a, like him anyway. Fuck. He's a jackass, but but I you, I do think wanted, it's hard to hold the boss's kid accountable. And it goes back to winning time, where they were back in the concourse smoking weed, and it was just like, is this the intern or is this the boss's daughter? Yeah. Exactly. And so you never know who you're dealing with. Are you dealing with the coach or are you dealing with yep. the boss's kid? Yeah. Yeah. It, the whole thing's interesting to me. And I thought again yeah. that, and then to get hit with that today, I was like, oh, God damn it. That That's sucks. My That's my guy. It sucks. Sometimes oh. you just got to fucking earn it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've all had to. Like the rest of us do, right? The rest of us do these, do these shit out. Yeah. 
All right. Hey, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to go. We're going to get you out of here. We kind of, I mean, we're out in record time, but we're actually getting a little shorter than usual. So um, I've enjoyed it. Today's been fun. Um, hey, on Monday's podcast, we're going to have a special interview. I'm going to go ahead and break the news now. Uh, Micah Brown, former KU uh, football player who is now a film director, a documentary director, has come on. We've already done the interview starting in the can. Uh, he's going to talk about his new project with, with Peacock and the WWE. It's called WWE Evil. It is an eight-episode documentary. It documents the bad guys of the WWE. Oh, it's, awesome. Uh, it's narrated by John Cena. Uh, Micah is the director of each of these um, one-hour interviews. They're all on Peacock. They're all available now. They are they're all very good, very good. They are all different than anything you've seen developed by the WWE as far as their, a lot of their branding. Now, I think WWE's production is great. Yeah. It's one of the best there is. This is a little different. And it uses more of Micah's style. If you've seen uh-huh. the 30 for 30 on ESPN of uh, Chuck and Tito about Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, Micah was the director of that. He's got a great documentary. His first full-length documentary uh, was um, um, Prison Fighters, which is on Showtime. It's absolutely incredible. It's about a prison in Thailand where you can fight your way out of jail. Oh, wow. And it's really well done. He tells an incredible story on the podcast of how he landed that gig. Uh, It's the best story we've heard on this podcast. (laughs) It's really that good. I'll tell you off the air before you hear it um but he comes and talks about wwe evil um i've seen all the episodes now they are really good um what i will say that kind of a tease if you haven't seen them yet i have seen probably 50 interviews with hulk hogan i've never seen him one out of character like this and Mm -hmm. two being at least somewhat honest oh and he is very honest um I'll also tell you the best episode to me was the one about Sasha Banks. Interesting. So the, the names, I'll give you the names. Here's the eight people. I wrote it down. The eight people that they did in this were Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, Stephanie McMahon, mm-hmm. Brothers of Destruction, which is The Undertaker and Kane. You put them in one. Mm-hmm. Roman Reigns, Randy Orton, Sasha Banks, and The Miz. Oh. The Miz and Sasha's are by far the best two. And for those of us who, you know, if you're had an affiliation with Real World, yeah, where you get, saw the oh, Miz. They, get, they get into it. They go all really? the way back. They go all the way back to him being his uh, how he kind of made the Miz character on yeah. the real world and why he did it, and it goes all the way back. With Sasha Banks, they go clear back to when she was before she was an indie wrestler. Uh-huh. Why she has an obsession with WWE. When she walked away for a little bit, why? Mm-hmm. Um, it was absolutely incredible. On Randy Orton's, they go back to when he was in the military, and he went AWOL. I mean, they really go deep on these. And, Good. Um, I might actually watch this. I'm telling you, the, the two I recommend the most. They're all about an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're an hour if you see them on TV. Sure. If you watch them on Peacock about 45 minutes. Okay. Uh, the two I recommend the most was by far Sasha and the Miz. Okay. Um, Hogan's I thought was pretty good. 
Flair's was okay. Flair was not the best interview. Flair and, is and, getting old. Well, Micah says, and he says on the podcast, that Flair was not in a good place when they did the interview. Mm-hmm. And we now know that Ric Flair just got divorced. He just announced his divorce about a month ago. So it was obviously a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. He tells a great story about, he did not tell that on the podcast. I'll tell it now. I asked off the air, I said, uh, I said, he, I said, well, can tell me a story about Ric Flair? Because he got to spend mm-hmm. a whole day with Ric Flair in Tampa at his home. And he said, uh, he says, well, he says, I was talking to him afterwards. And I says, is partying with you like everything I've heard? And mm-hmm. he says, we're going on the boat tonight. Come with us. And Micah said, well, I really, really want to, but I got to meet Hulk at 730 in the morning tomorrow. And Flair says, if you come with us, you're not going to be on time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I asked him a couple of great questions in the end that are wrestling related. And uh-huh. in all fairness, Micah did not know much about wrestling going into this. So he was he really explained how they started, how he got involved, how he had to kind of get help. On yeah. learning about the wrestling parts of this okay it's a great interview i think people will really enjoy it we went about 40 minutes i think people will enjoy it that'll be monday's podcast i'm gonna come on i'm not gonna do anything else but that interview you should you guys should enjoy it it should be really really good looking forward to it so get jumping us good jump in there was on monday and then we are working on something tyler jones and i we will be sometime next couple weeks having a mock nfl draft we're working on that behind the scenes you know discuss how we're going to do that Mm-hmm. get that all squared away so a couple of exciting things coming down the next couple of weeks a little bit of programming differences you'll still be here for the point five which can't do the point five without you this thanks point. so um so let's get up out of here so thank you to you ellen i appreciate it it was a great time thank this you. week uh, i want to say thank you to tyler jones everybody at studio soapbox for all you guys do behind the scenes most importantly thank you to you the listener without you we're not here we appreciate it don't forget to check out Good uh, Good Belly. Check that out. Check out the links. Look, and you help out our sponsors. You try our sponsors. It helps us. And I believe we can keep providing this. Uh, don't forget to rate us in your views. So if it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast, give us a five-star. Really, really appreciate it. next week, and then until Monday, uh, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. Have a great weekend. Remember, you time tokens are not in front of you.